Hello beautiful people. Welcome back to Photo Country. I'm your host Raji. In this episode, I caught up with a good friend of mine from back home, Devang Singh. He is one guy who dons many hats: photographer, filmmaker, director, creative entrepreneur. I like to call him a photopreneur. If there's ever a word like that, I just invented it. So, without much ado, here is Devang Singh. Thanks Devang for making the time to come on the podcast. It's my pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the show. We go back a long way, right? So, we've uh, shared some good <laughs> memories together. Okay. So, let's start from the beginning, right? So, how did you get into photography? I'll uh, I'll start from the very beginning. The the point is you might feel like this the story feels like I've made it up. It's not. It it is actually what's happened. So, my wife right now just got married three months ago. Shreya, I met her in Bangalore. At that time, I was working with Dell. I was a marketing manager, handling their SME business and all of that. And I, and I was, I, I, I kind of loved everything that I do. So I was loving that job. And there was a lot of creatives that we had to make, and there was a lot of photography that I had to get done. There was a lot of ads that I had to get made for the marketing. And suddenly, I, I had this bug in me that okay, this is a very interesting beat. And Shreya was with me one of these days, and while I was going through my phases of everybody goes through that corporate versus doing your own thing, getting your enough rat race, I was in those moments, and she had forgotten her Nikon D three thousand. I still remember that camera at my home, and I just decided I just pick it up and just see because it's a digital camera. I'm not spoiling anything, so I just. Picked it up and started shooting, and I remember my first image that I shot was the inside of a washing machine, and it was a top load. I still remember, and it got those facets, and I put some tube lights on the facets for reflecting light. I kind of got mesmerized by that, and from that moment onwards, I just couldn't leave the camera. And it it wasn't that I found photography; it's like the photography just found me, and got me into this. Uh, into this abyss in the beginning, which was very dark. Where I did not know what I want to do with it, what what is the plan. But one thing I knew that I wanted to just click. So the journey started like the first thing started from there. The the moment I came and got back with the camera, and Shreya was into photography, and she was a huge influence in my life. And she was she and this I'm talking about twelve years ago, well thirteen years ago now, and she had basically. She was applying for a course in photography, and that was the uh, that was the turning point for me as well. Where I thought, like, oh, I could maybe I could leave my job and do a course. And I took that decision a very hasty one, impulsive. Everybody was telling me, "What are you doing? Why would you leave your cushy job?" Or that I was like, "I need more than anything else. I need happiness in life, and everything will fall." And so we both decided to go to Light and Light Academy in uh, Odi and study photography. I, I knew that I wanted to make it a profession. And at that time, at thirteen years ago, you didn't have so many podcasts, so we did not have so many like YouTube tutorials and stuff like that to learn photography. Obviously, there was some research articles, and you would go into blogs and try to figure out. I think so. WordPress was very big at that time, so I was going through photographers' WordPress sites and understanding it. I bought my own lights. I bought my own new Canon 550D at that time. And just started experimenting at home, and I just went out to different restaurants and cafes and said, "Hey, do you want free photography?" That was the way it started because I was like, 
I just wanted to shoot. I didn't want any money for it. And suddenly people started really appreciating it. I started putting your work up on Facebook at that time. And external validation was a very important part for me to see that there is something in there. And though no matter what, at that time, there was everybody was into photography. Everybody was putting it up on Facebook. I love the external validation and it validated my own validation, which was being. And that's, my, that's how the journey really started. That we were in Uti. That was just magnificent. Like the... The place where like 30 photographers sit, eat, sleep, work, everything together. It just opened my mind to the possibilities. So that is where the journey really started. Interesting, you mentioned the academy that you went to. Most photographers, probably 8 out of 10 photographers, don't study photography in a formal fashion, right? They're mostly self-taught. Right. They pick it up way by accident and they get fascinated with it. And that's how they enter into the street. Do you think you would not be the photographer that you are today if you did not do that course? I would have not been this photographer, but I would have been a different photographer. Yes, there is a huge impact on what those studies were for me. I, I think more than learning technicals and more than learning what photography is, being in a community, living with them for 30, for 30 of them for a year and a half really opens your mind to another level. So I don't, I don't think academic learning is, is a must-have for photography. But a community that you, you build and you be with has a lot of insights that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to get by just being in my silo and photographing. I'm an extrovert. So I work with people. For me, people's energies are very important. So I thought like the course was a very important facet in my life, which turned things to whatever I am today. And I really, really give all the credit to my professors, uh, Mohamed Iqbal, uh, Vatri, with this, so many of them, they gave us everything. Like for example, critique classes in college was something, imagine like you put up a photograph, everybody would say, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. But there are very few people who say, hey, this part of this photograph is not right. There's something off that I feel in this small corner in the photograph. That kind of critique only happens with the community and only happens with people who have, who have some insight. So I think that is, that was very necessary for my journey. But at no point I see that an academic work qualification is very important to be a photographer. So you started off uh, like that and after that academy, what happened? Did you straight away get into uh, professional photography or it was just like a side gig and you were doing something else? No. So I was very clear that if I'm going to go into photography, then my entire life will be dedicated. I, I did not want to dilly-dally and start thinking that, okay, I'll do this also, I'll do this also, and this will be a side hobby thing. So while I was in college, I actually started off with wedding photography. I used to go to, within my college because I was also paying for it. I wanted to get some money. And uh, in the middle, when we'll have two, three days off, I'll fly off to Delhi. I'll shoot a wedding and I'll come back. After the course was over, the first thing that I did was build a studio. And I was like, I don't want to go into assisting people right now and learning the art more because I did that course and I think so there was a lot that I learned from. So usually people go with the assisting route and learn from other photographers. But I was like, I had made my own niche and my own style already. So I don't need to do this. Then I opened the studio and I had kind of a network in Delhi uh, because I was born and raised here. And uh, I started talking to people and starting off a really low brand which had no name. I, I did everything, eating lunch from my between sitting in a car waiting for one client to let me into their office. 
wrong. Just knocking on someone's, some agency's door saying, hi, I'm a photographer. There's no meeting set up, nothing. I need some work. So I, I was passionate enough to like not have ego come in the way or any of those, you know, feelings to come in the way. I was like, I want to do this. The best way to do it is just knock on doors, man, and get what you want. So I started off like that. So that was the roots for Studio Fry. Yeah, that was the same roots for Studio Fry. I, so I'll tell you what, like for me, photography was just a visual medium, right? And it doesn't mean that I was only interested in photography or using the camera. I was also interested in design. I was, I was really interested in 3D and motion graphics. And you know that we're really jammed on. We were thinking about VR, I think, so eight years ago when we were trying to figure out how we can get augmented reality and virtual reality in this space. So I, 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 I'm a techie. I get very nerdy when it comes to technicals about the camera work or about how I can do two things and do a mixed media creator. So all of that was happening in my head while I was photographing for plants. And with the camera, I soon realized that I can, I want to get into videos as well. So I started becoming a DOP and learning different camera systems and working with the Red, working with the Alexa profiles, Sony. I wanted to get into everything. The, you know what, like the fickle-minded person I am, though I'm very clear that I want to do visual communication, but I want to learn everything that there is to speak. So I was looking out for that. I, I started making short ads. I was working with directors. And uh, that's the time when I met my partner, Vidur Gupta. I think you met him. And what, we were not thinking about making a company. That was never our intent. We just met to like jam and see what we could do. And suddenly it clicked so well that he was a post-producer and a CGI motion graphics cinema 4D guru who was teaching at Academy of Art at what point time. And here I was, who was loving the photography and the videos I was doing and I needed that exact support. And he needed, he loved the production side. So we both came together and started Studio Fry some eight and a half years ago. So starting as a corporate marketing guy, then branching off into photography, following your passion, and now the owner of a studio, it's been quite the journey for you, Devan. So what kind of stories do you like to tell through your photographs? Like, I know that you you do a lot of food photography, right? So what, right. what exactly in photography is like your passion? What is it in photography that you really like to do? I mean, I know that as a commercial photography, you get to do a lot of projects with the clients. One. Yeah, there's a decision that you have to take. Like, for example... I know a lot of photographers who are just commercial photographers or only do photography when there's a project. I do see, like, when I say storytelling, I think every image has a story. Even if I'm working with a brand or a promotion of the beings given me a project to execute, and obviously there's feedback and all of what they want. But at the end of it, before I get into the project, I've already made stories of each photograph. For example, even if I'm clicking something which is as trivial as a pizza, that pizza needs to have what I will tell the audience. Obviously, from the client perspective, please buy my pizza, right? But if I'm going to, uh, if I'm shooting for Domino's and they want to shoot like a new Indian regional chicken tikka pizza, that's something that just came up and was shot. I wanted to tell the story of this being as an Indian festive occasion, right? And how uh, the one thing is you just put the props around it and you know, just do it. But I think. It's about the composition. It's about the hand that was picking up the pizza. It's about what was in the hand, what was the chewy that the person, chewy is basically bangles, what was the bangle that the person was wearing. Uh, all of these things will emote as you see the photograph. And now our attention spans are so less when we're doing it on Instagram. You don't like to see the entire photograph. But for me, each photograph, each corner, every pixel is is making a, a story book. 
and what you are reading is a chapter when you're just going to Instagram these days. So I think about storytelling like that. And it's very valid what you were saying that there are certain things that you need to give to yourself apart from the commercial advertising. And that's why I do books. So I, I authored a book called Bhagwan Ki which is Food of the Gods. And I traveled with my co-author and we basically went around India, tried to search how food and faith connect with each other. And we went to do local cuisines, understanding what, what the local alcohols are, obviously, because it's me. And uh, I, it, it was, it, that was more exhilarating. So if somebody asked me today, what is your greatest, uh, greatest achievement is that book? None of the, none of the commercial projects that have that. Because <laughs> that's how I feel. Because that, now that is my fuel for commercial projects. I get my satisfaction as a creative, as, as a, as a person who took a photography to give to the world, which I get from there. I supported a lot of local communities in areas where there's no electricity, making them known to the world. Going to wrong music in Meghalaya and staying with these guys and understanding their culture and being a part of that entire thing. And then getting him down to Delhi for a book launch and making them aware of how things happen makes me feel very good. And I think that's my way of, on one side, telling people to eat sugar <laughs> through my photography. And on the other end, I do this to make people aware of sustainable living and sustainable food cultures. You are a commercial photographer, so you do projects based on the briefs that the client gives you. Whether or not you agree with it, that's a different question. But as an artist, as a photographer, there are different push and pulls, right? So why I'm asking you this question is that I, and I, I talked to a, a, a photographer sometime back, like a couple of episodes back. And uh, he, he has a clear vision for his commercial work and his, uh, his own personal work, right? right. It's, it's like night and day. Right. So he, say, he says that his, in a commercial photography world, like he feels that he has to play a role. And everybody plays a role. It's like a play and each of the characters have a role to play, right? So he detaches himself and then plays a role there. And he plays that mm -hmm. role and that comes out of it and that does, does his own work as an artist, which is completely different to his commercial work. How do you treat that? Is it the same or is it different? It's a switch. It's a switch on and off. So with commercial work, work again, I used to be really passionate when I started for three years, four years, I was like, oh, this is life. And what I realized was with commercial work, you need a little bit of detachment which is very like what the, what the other photographer that you're talking to. That sense of detachment need to be there because here the product is not just your creation. Here the product is exactly correctly said it's a play where everyone plays a role and then that photograph is born. Now just to, sorry, I was just segueing a little bit here. So I just don't photograph, I also direct ad films and I also POP ad films. So when you're doing a directing of an ad film, then the team, which is like a photography lab 2030, and now I'm dealing with 200 to 300 people on set, right? And then that is one product that I'm building. And it's not just mine, it is everyone's. But that switch off, once I'm done with the project and I'm back, is very easy. I can switch off from that and then get into my research, which is, oh, my, my next book that I'm working on is for Korea. And I want to figure out how the charity really came into Korea. So I go into that research more. And that is where I get all my, all my inspiration. And I, I take out all the creative energy that I have into that. And then figure out what I want to do next with that and start making presentations and going. So, and at that stage when I'm making the books and when I'm photographing for the books, it's all me. It's not a play anymore. Now it's like a monologue. So you're just going in and you're meeting people and it's all about how you interacted with them, what their expression is going to be. 
it's all about the light that you were able to get in that location where that food is being done and which angle did you take and decide to shoot it because there's no pre-production meeting to tell the client that in this angle at 45 degree with this light and these props I'll be shooting it. Then it's spur of the moment. That's where the true artist comes in. And as every artist, I think it's every creative, every artist should also have art therapy and they should also go for therapy and understand their brain a little more. So during that process, what I realized was uh, there's something called the concept of the genius with it, which is which is something that is inherent in you and you will always have that little fear when you go doing something. But when that genius or that creative uh, force comes out of you, you don't know. It's not in your control. It, it just comes out and it creates. Right. And I strongly believe in that. I strongly believe in the fact that there is something that is inherent in all individuals. I'm not just saying just me. There is a creative genius in everyone. Not even not. Completely non-creative people can also have a creative genius and it comes out suddenly at certain places. So I wait. I don't wait for it or I don't, I don't expect it to come out or anything. But it automatically, once I have the camera, once I have that moment happening, it'll happen. And Raji, now right. you also do photography. You might be just going out in the pier or just walking around. You'll see light differently. You'll see, you'll see certain things that nobody in the world looks at. Like for me, right. certain times, my wife and I are sitting and I'm zoned out at a restaurant because there is this curtain moving and the light is hitting this one salted pepper <laughs> shaker where the thing is created. I'm like, oh my God. People think it's crazy. It's a crazy thing. But that's, that is the... That is the hunger that the genius or the creative. The genius actually is not that word. I'm talking about the genie with it. Where it comes from that right. Yes. right. So right. that comes out looking at those things and feeding on those little, little moments that are happening. And that comes to you when you're creating yours, your work. So that the genius is always on. Every, every artist has a style, right? But when it comes to commercial work, do you have a style? How does that work? I don't intend to have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the problem is that uh, commercially people choose you based on your previous work. It's very difficult. For example, now I'm, I'm venturing into the beauty space. I was not in the beauty space a lot of that. I was doing a lot of food and product and all of that. And then in films also, I was doing a lot of robotics and slow motion films and, you know, how beer will pour out of it into a glass. But now I'm getting into beauty. Now, this is a transition, right? Like for me, it is a style transition. But People will look at my color and color work, which was done five years ago, and give me a same brief and say that we shoot this. Right? Because they, they see that, like, you know, and sometimes you will have to, you will have to give it and give what the person is wanting. But with certain clients, I get that leeway, which who understand. And I say that this is the past. We've done this. Let's take it to the next step. So I don't want to be typecasted as a style. I don't think I have done, I do everything under the sun and everything differently. My specialization in photography was industrial. So I also shoot factories, which, which give me some crazy amount of pleasure. So I don't want to have a type, but I have been typecasted by the people who view my portfolio. Do you think that is a limitation? The question plagues me every day. I do want to do other stuff. For example, I want to get into automobile. I want to get into performance films and stuff like that. But you don't have it in your portfolio, so the client won't come to you to experiment will do that and these are bigger productions and stuff so you can't do them yourself and invest that money maybe in the future i would be do that so it's not a question that you can answer for yourself at the end of the day as a commercial artist you you're bound to what your uh, let's call them overnauts paying you and getting work done so you have to give them what they are looking for 
And it's right. very difficult for you to break out of that mold because people think that these are the films that you're good at. And they will keep coming up with scripts which are very similar to that. Or they keep coming up with mood boards for photography which are very similar to that. And you can see that on my portfolio also. This color blocking and hard light is it's become like the Singh thing, though it, it feels like any image of Pinterest. But it feels like any image of Pinterest. And, but the client comes to me and gives me the same kind of looks because that's the trend. And then you match the trend and you work according to that. So my point is to just make that look the best, right? And the styles are actually chosen mostly by the client. I can just give my two cents to it. In fact, many film photographers that I've, I've spoken to I made the conscious decision to stay amateur because then they're not beholden to any client and they can shoot mm. what they want and be true to their artistic sense. What do you say to that? What happens is when passion is great till it becomes a job. I think that's where I feel like I'm a little different. I think right. I'm equally passionate to also do that client job when I'm on set. I get really flustered with the client feedback and they want things to be changed. Move this pool. I have had it. Someone saying, move the spoon to 12 degrees right. <laughs> I've actually had those. I, I, and some clients are like that. That's fine. It's, you're a team, right? When you're working like that. And I think passion, your passion has nothing to do with an external force or a client. If the project is passionate and, for example, when we're working with Indigo Airlines, I, the, the, the client could see my passion while I'm working and give us complete free will. Oh, why don't we change this order? Right? Like, I think passion is within and we can't decide external forces to tell how passion really works. So I, I do disagree with that a little bit. I, I also the fact with, with professional photography or when, when you become a professional and you're doing work as a commercial artist, it's very important for you to have that same passion growing within to be that commercial artist. Otherwise, you're not doing true to your work. Otherwise, I would have needed Delhi itself. If I was not enjoying and being passionate about what I do. I still enjoy every new brief that comes my way. I still enjoy making every PPM mood board. I still enjoy that first moment when I go into the set and I do a test light and I figure out everything, what my colors are. But each shoot, if you see my studio, I, I, I would love to give you a tour of the studio maybe next time I'll show you that. I have everything. Like I have backgrounds, bases, different kind of gobos, patterns, uh, props, crockery. Everything is out there because every project I want to get something new. I want to do something completely different. I, I want to get a color that can work in a different light, a different way. So for me, I have small quirks of passion, which I embed to each project. So in this project, I have to try out this little thing. Okay, that's my passion for this project. Like a shooting tomorrow, actually, for this company called Dr. Octo. Uh, I'm just giving you a very live example right now. And the whole point is there, there about uh, Dr. Octo is it's, it's a cleaner, like an all-purpose cleaner. It's got toilet cleaner, stuff like that. But the place where the person is coming from is using only natural ingredients into the process and also using probiotics, which people don't understand that work very well with the, with how all-purpose cleaners work. All of these things, and he's thinking about Dr. Octo, not from a phase of Spider-Man, that was my first thought. It actually comes from the fact that how octopus is a very intelligent being and he's working towards the ocean, all his bottles are biodegradable. All of these things make a new pitch for me. And we're doing an entire ocean theme for creating toilet cleaners for which is sands and beaches and stuff like that. So for me now, that has become like a new thing. Like how do I shoot a household product to look like it's a product image inside the ocean? So I, right. I created that passion for me. The client never wanted it. He wanted just, you know, put it inside <laughs> a, 
room and take a shot in behind should be a WC or a washing machine. But that's where I put my passion into each project. And I think that's right. very necessary for a commercial artist like myself. Apart from all the, the personal work you're doing or the books that you're working on or anything that you're doing for yourself. So your commercial art, there has to be, yes, one is a money corporate. You need to take the money out of the client and the money needs to come to you. But very importantly, are you enjoying that money? Are you exactly doing what you felt that you, as you left your Dell job for one reason? Not to be like, hey, why am I getting up and doing this? I never had that feeling. I've never had that on my side. Just digressing a little, a lot of people who get out of their jobs and follow their passion, doesn't matter whether it's photography or any, any form of passion, don't think about the practical necessities of life, right? Like having a roof over your head and food and paying your bills, etc. So they get caught up in the whole passion and, and the artistic side of things and get really bogged down and get frustrated on the business side of things, right? So how did you make the transition from being an artist and being a business like an agency or a studio? I still debate that every day. I still, I, I still believe that I don't have the balance. It's very difficult to be an entrepreneur and a creative at the same time. So uh, there were different ways to think about it. Let me do this question in two parts. First is leaving your jobs and getting that passion to get into something and getting popular. And the second part would be, how do I manage the creative and the entrepreneur role together? Now, when I had to leave my job and do this, I did have a vision. I also had done my financial calculations. I had done every bit of research and thought process before I decided to leave my job. Will I be able to sustain myself? What are the ways to sustain myself? Do I have to take a loan from some place for this much time? I had all that vision. I think it's very, it's very impractical for someone in today's day and age to not think about pros and cons list and make all of that to take a decision in life. Then I think you're being more impulsive than passionate. I think passion is there, but don't make the passion so overbearing that you, you do something in your life that you're not very happy about. And that is the device of passion. If, if you're doing passion, passion comes from a very happy place. And we need to realize that happy place. If your passion is going to create depression in you or be it a feeling of lack of being able to afford things or be in a nice house or, or, or having the roof over your head, having the right food to eat, then I think now that passion is going to become a negative than a positive. So when you're taking those decisions in the beginning, you have to evaluate. Like any other thing, any business or any personal thing also, when you have to take decisions, you, you think about it, right? So that thought process is very important before you follow a passion. I, I personally believe that if, if you do this, then these six months, you will not have that much income. You will be trying to get more work. Do you have this much income to sustain yourself for six months? It's a very important question that you ask yourself. So that's one part. Uh, second is balancing my creative with the entrepreneur. I, I It's very difficult. I, I, I still, I, I get baffled every day. Sometimes I have to don the hat of the co-founder or the executive producer on the job. And... That time the lines get a little blurred because for a client, I have to give them the logic of things, talk about the money of things that also be creative and that's where the lines get a little blurred. But the entrepreneurial aspect of making and building and scaling a company, that is wherever I get downtime. And then I, every time I think about one thing, I put them into my to-do list, which is not. So I will pick up from that. Okay, this is a to-do list that I have. So it's very important for you to 
you know, be organized as a creative entrepreneur. The biggest skill of a creative entrepreneur is organization skills. And I, I don't mean organization, but just writing. It's, it's mental organization, having compartments in there to be creative at times, be businessman at some times, being like a salesman at some times. Sometimes you're just a client servicing executive. So you have to don those hats. And I think uh, that compartmentalization is very important. Who are your role models? Who do you look up to? Or who do you look for inspiration? So I'll tell you what, like, for me, still the classics are my inspiration. Bressaw, Henry Carter, Bressaw, Richard Avedon, I, I think so, McKay, all, all of these guys have been the influence, right? But this is one guy I, I, I love, was Joey Lawrence. Uh, again, and he's very, like, travel nature, the kind of stuff that he does is, is brilliant. And that was the kind of stuff that, that really, really inspired me. So I don't have an inspiration currently. For me, the inspiration can be, it could be an artist, it could be a painter, it could be a musician. So now my inspirations or artistic influences are not just photographs or looking at it. So we talked about uh, a lot of things and I think when some someone hears this conversation, they can get a clear picture of who they are on the guess, right? I got it. Yeah, please, okay. please, send this, please send this to me also so that I get an understanding of who I am. <laughs> the, the raw version of the edited version. <laughs> no, no, you can give me the edited version. I can't take too much of myself. <laughs> right. If you are going to encourage other people to get into photography, what will be your advice? Pick up the camera, learn it. Go with the camera, feel the camera, become the camera, go outside. Don't get into this tech nonsense of getting 50,000 lenses, getting into, oh, I can do this, I can do that. Leading on blog, where you do Instagram, getting all of that. I, I think what you need first is the true love between you and your camera. That, that's not, that doesn't come. So when I talked about external validation also, that's the secondary or the third tertiary step. I, I don't think so is the first step. First step is to develop that relationship, whether you want to do it. And don't have that approach. I won't do anything else. So let's try photography because I, I know there are people like that who go like that. And th you can still do that and get passionate about it. I'm not saying that that's the wrong thing to do. I couldn't do anything else. I wanted to try photography and then the, the bug catches. But be true to your love. Be true to what you're doing. And then make a decision whether you want to become a photographer. So don't buy a DSLR and put a page saying I'm a photographer. <laughs> like that, that's what you are like you, you first develop that passion develop a body of work that you love yourself don't don't get like 50 let's just get a 50 mm 1.8 5000 indian rupees that lens comes for get a really small camera just even if it's a second hand camera put that lens go close to a subject go back from a subject understand the aperture understand not just read like charts of it go and understand the aperture go and understand exposure values what an ev really is like right. These things will make you feel whether you want to be a photographer or not. It, it can't be forced thing. You can't. You, I can't tell you, Rajiv, from today onwards, you will be a photographer. You can become a clerk at a place. You can become a client servicing. You can become a producer. You can become sales. But an artist is actually something that you will get that feeling. It's like love. It's actually love, to be honest. It's that feeling that you can't, un you can't tell others what that feeling is. Right, right, right. So yes, please get into photography and love it, own it. And then get into photography. First, be a photographer yourself. Thank you, Devang. Thank you for your time. That was a great conversation. 
Thank you so much uh, for having me, Radhi. <laughs> Honestly, this is the most this is the most formal conversation I've ever had with you in my life. But <laughs> thanks, Devang, for coming on the show. It was such a treat talking to you. You can catch his work on devangsingh.in or go have a look at the studio he co-founded, studiofry.com. I will share the links in the show notes. I hope you liked this episode. Please do share this podcast with someone who loves photography. Till next time, stay safe and keep clicking.